0: All right, if you got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Um, Acts chapter nine is where we're going to be today. This is week number three of our series called Acrostics, where we take one word, turn it into a bunch of words or a couple sentences to help you remember um, what it is that we're talking about. We've talked about shame in week number one. We use that 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 word for an acrostic. Um, last week we talked about growing in Christ, growing in our relationship, and so we use the word grow um, today. Let me start off today like this. Um, I love our church. Uh, I love, I love, love, love this place. Um, it's not just because I'm the pastor here and I get paid to say that. Like, I, I legitimately um, love that I love what we get to do here, um, I love what I get to do here, um, I love what God is doing in and through us here in this place, um, but but I, I, one of the things I love the most, and we talk about this quite a bit, is how many differences we have. Like, like there are different ages of people that come to our church, um, we've got single people here, we've got married people here, we've got people with kids, we've got people with no kids, we, we have people who don't want their kids, um, we have... Let me tell you, when they graduate, do you? Let me tell you how freeing that is. How many with me right there? Like okay, so those of you like little kids that you're stressing out right now, listen. I stressed out for 18 years, but then when that graduation certificate comes or that diploma, and it's actually signed with their name on it whoo. Anyway, different people. And with a bunch of different people comes a bunch of different preferences. Like things, things that you enjoy, I might not enjoy. Things that I enjoy, you might not enjoy. For, for, for example, let, let's just kind of go through. This is always kind of fun. Um, beach people versus mountain people. Like how many are beach people? Beach people? How many are more like I'm a mountain person? Oh, that's that's quite a big shot. I'm, I'm a beach for, I love the mountains. I love to go to the mountains. But if I got a choice, it's the beach. Like, I just, I, like, I love the water. And so for me, it's the beach. How about this? Cheeseburger or cheesecake? Cheeseburger people. Yeah, cheesecake people. Oh, that's, that's, it's cheeseburger for me all day. I cannot, I don't like cheesecake I don't know. You like look at me like. How do you not like cheesecake? I don't. I don't like cream cheese, and so the texture of cheesecake and me. I just. I don't. I don't like it. Cheeseburgers all day long. How about this? Taco Bell or Taco John's? Taco Bell. We'll do like two people. Taco John's. Yeah. How about neither? Like that's yeah. There you go. All right. We could do this all day. All right. So with that, different preferences, we also have different opinions, right? We have different opinions about things politically, morally, biblically. But one of the things I love about our church is we have a group of people who understand that we can come together on a Sunday and we could take all of our preferences, all of our differences, all of our opinions, we could just take everything and, and just put it aside, even if it's for like fifteen or twenty minutes, and take some time to focus on Jesus. And when we do that, it impacts us in a significant way. Now, today's message I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, it ain't gonna be your favorite. It's absolutely not. Like every once in a while, we put on Facebook. What's what was your favorite message? Nobody's going to put this one up. Like that—that's it's not going to happen. But our church needs to hear it because I'm going to talk about us being united and the importance of us having unity as followers of Jesus Christ in this church. Again, I don't know what other churches are doing. Um, I. I care what other churches do because I care if other churches are focused on Jesus and proclaiming the gospel, but at the same time, I don't care, right? Does that make sense? I I care about how what's happening here and how we who say Central Church is my home church, that we're the ones who say I love my church, that we're united together in our cause, in in our relationship, in our mission for Jesus Christ. And so we're going to use the acrostic, unity, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'll I'll say this until the day I die, probably. Satan does not fear a big church. Satan fears a united church. And, And when I say unity... I'm not saying that we all believe the same things, that we all act the same way, that we all wear the same things, that we all believe exactly, exactly, exactly the same on every single issue. When, I'm say, when I say unity, I'm saying maybe you're gonna see something one way and perhaps I see it another way, but at the end of the day, we can still get together, we can still have dinner with one another and love one another. That's what unity is. And so we're gonna dive into One of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture. I know I say that all the time, but again, it would be really bad if I came up and said, well, today we're going to look at this passage of Scripture that I just absolutely hate, but it's in the rotation, so i got to deal with it, right? We're not not doing that. Um, It's in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. So much happens in the book of Acts. It's the start of the church. Um, the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm going to do a Bible study um, at some point. We're just going to go through like the first ten chapters of the book of Acts and look at the origin of the church. It's, it's going to be absolutely great. But but it's so much fun. Um, and so anyway, we're going to look at some verses about the Apostle Paul and how the Apostle Paul becomes the apostle Paul. And and how he has this conversion experience with Jesus and how it happened and how God uses other people and how God uses people with lots of differences to come together and accomplish his mission, all right? So there's a lot of verses, so you gotta listen really fast. Here we go, verse one. Meanwhile, Saul, this is Paul, all right? Saul eventually becomes Paul. That's super important to remember for two reasons. Um, Sometimes in this message, I'm sure I'm gonna say Saul Most of the time, I'll probably say Paul, and I don't want you to get confused. It's the same person. Everybody everybody got that with me? All right, I'm going to screw it up and say Paul, like, way too many times. All right, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now, I've been eager for some things before, haven't you? Like, I've been eager to eat before. Anybody else? I've been eager... To see Mary, and, and no, don't, don't say anybody else, no, that's, that's where that falls apart, right? I've been eager to get off an airplane, how about that one? Anybody else been eager to get off of a plane? But eager to kill? Eager to kill. Like, that's pretty intense. Would you agree, yes or no? Yeah. Eager to kill the Lord's followers. Some, some translations say um, people in the church, which would be us. E- either way, it's us. We're Jesus' followers, or people in the church. Eager to kill Christians. Now, let me pause and say this. Isn't it interesting that this text starts off with a man in the Middle East eager to kill Christians? In fact, he's going to go door to door to do so. The world has changed a whole lot in 2,000 years, hasn't it? Anyway, so he went to the high priest. Now, now why? Why does he go to the high priest? Did he go to the high priest because he's feeling guilty? About killing Christians and maybe he wants to confess? Uh-uh, watch this. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. And by the way, the priest, the leader of the religious community, gave them to him. See, the way is, a, is another nickname that the, that the church had, that followers of Jesus Christ had when the early church was developing So followers of the way, he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, can we all agree that Saul, who eventually becomes the Apostle Paul, when we first meet him, this is not the guy we want to have over for dinner, right? Because not only does he want to kill these people, but the reason to bring them back to Jerusalem is he wants to put them on trial. Not just to kill them, but to put them on trial so that before he can kill them, he shames them. Which, by the way, just a really quick side note, religion always wants to shame you before it kills you. Always. That that was week number one of this series. So Paul has this messed up plan. Hey, I'm going to kill Christians. I'm going out. I'm going to kill Christians. Paul was a, a religious person. He was a member of this thing called the Sanhedrin. He was super religious, but, but everything that Jesus was doing was against the religion that he believed. And so he was going to kill Christians. He hated Christians. And watch what happens in verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. This, this is where it gets good. Watch this. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, this is Jesus. We're about to find out in just a few seconds that this is Jesus talking to Saul. And Jesus said to Saul, hey, why are you persecuting me? Which is weird, because the Bible does not say that Saul was persecuting Jesus. The Bible says that Paul was persecuting what? the church, right? The followers of Jesus. But this is Jesus telling Saul, hey, when you persecute the church, you persecute me. When you mess with my people, you mess with me. This is also a super quick reminder that you cannot say that you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and not be a part of a local church. Because Jesus Christ didn't give that option. The Bible says in Hebrews, "Do not neglect the fellowship of the saints." You know what the fellowship of the saints is? It's the gathering together of the believers. It's coming to church. It's being a part of a local church. I need this. You need it. Like I, I need this. Doesn't matter if I preach or not. Just coming together, worshiping corporately, just being reminded as we sing, as we look around. Hey, somebody's in this thing with me. Somebody's in this fight with me. I'm not doing this alone. I don't know about you, but I need that, and I feel like that's something that all of us need to experience. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So Paul is probably thinking, you know, I really, I really wasn't messing with you, Jesus. Like, I mean, that's you're not the person that I'm after. But Jesus again said, "Well, you mess with my people, and you mess with my people, you mess with me." And this is what Saul says: "Who are you, Lord?" I love that. I love that question. Saul knew that whoever he was talking to, or whoever was talking to him, was Lord. He didn't know who it was, but whoever it was knocked him off of his horse, and so he said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and call you Lord, because you're obviously more powerful than me. Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, to which Paul had an oh crap moment. (laughs) And, And we've all been there, right? We've all had that. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, which Paul's thinking, I I wasn't. Like, man, I wasn't messing with you. Oh, You're all together. I I didn't know that. My bad. And then Jesus says this. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Once again, everybody's got a next step. I know we say that all the time, but here's here's Saul, right? Because the apostle Paul, this is his next step. Everyone has a next step. Verse 7, the men with Saul stood speechless. For this is, this is huge. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Now, I don't, I don't know if they heard what was said to Saul or not. But they heard somebody's voice, but they saw no one. Now, real quick question. This is a simple question. This is an easy question. At this point in the story, Was God doing something significant in Saul's life? Yes or no? Yes. Did the other people understand it? No. We talked about this already in this series, but I will say it again. Sometimes God does a work in our life that other people will not understand. And we will go absolutely crazy trying to convince people of God's call on our lives. Do you know some people have literally missed out on God's plan for their life because they couldn't get everybody in their circle to understand and agree with them? I have a friend, a very, very, very good friend. When we were in Bible college, he, he told us, he was called to be a missionary. I'm gonna be a missionary, I'm gonna be a missionary. I know God's calling me to be a missionary. I'm gonna go out, I'm going overseas, I'm gonna be a missionary. And everyone's like, cool man, that would be great, that would be great, you're gonna be awesome at that, you're gonna be incredible at that everybody agreed, except for one person, the girl that he was engaged to. She's like, uh-uh, no way, I'm not going to be a missionary. And so he didn't become a missionary. He became a pastor, and he struggled mightily as a pastor. He doesn't even do it today. He, he does construction, doesn't even do this. But let me tell you something. When he goes on short-term mission trips, he... Flourishes. The, the the way the Lord works through him is absolutely amazing. And I tell him all the time, man, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it because you wanted everybody to agree with you. It's insane to believe that everybody is gonna understand what God is speaking into our lives. You are responsible for being obedient and yielding to what God has called you to do, not what other people are telling you to do. And so these men with Paul, they're like, hey man, something, something's going on. And, and Paul's over here, he's, he's knocked off his horse, like we're gonna see in a minute, he's blind, he's talking to something in the sky, we don't know, maybe, maybe Saul's crying out, he, he needs some help, they're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then verse eight says this, Paul picked himself up off the ground, But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. That's a problem. He was blind, so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, which is originally where he's going to do what? To to kill people. And and nobody knows that's not the plan anymore. We're not sure that Paul said, hey, change the plan, guys. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Everybody with him is excited to do what they're getting ready to do, and Paul doesn't say anything about that. But look at this. Verse 9, he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink, which that's a big problem. Listen, I'll be honest with you, if I don't eat or drink for three days, I'm going to die. If I don't eat for three hours, that's a, that's a problem for me, right? But he's in this place, he's on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, but then he gets converted to Christianity. This is what really happens, he gets converted to Christianity on the way to Damascus, now Quick question, did anybody know about his conversion, yes or no? No, no. They didn't have Facebook. Paul couldn't like walk down the road and take out his phone. Hey, walking down the road, saw a light, hashtag Jesus, hashtag saved. Like, he, there was none of that. And so Saul, Christian killer. He had been a Christian killer for for. Months, probably years before this, everybody knows him as Christian killer. Everybody knows Saul from Tarsus, Christian killer. He has this conversion experience. And then his life is forever changed. Now we're going to meet a man named Ananias. And his world is about to be rocked as well. Watch this, verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus again, where Paul was going to do what? Kill people. All right. There's a believer in Damascus named Ananias, quite possibly on Paul's list of people to kill. That's important to remember. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Which there's a whole other message in that statement right there. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Now, Obviously, he knew where this was. He knew where Straight Street was. He knew where the house of Judas was. He's like, yeah, got that. House of Judas. Cool. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to go. Yes, Lord, I'm on it. Watch what happens. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Um, Hold on a second, Jesus. Uh, It sounded like you had just said a man from Tarsus named Saul. Yeah, I did. Um... What you want me to do when I get there? I mean, it, if he's there and, you, and, and we've got him captured, like, you want me to take care of him? You, you want me to kill him so that he don't kill any more of our people? I mean, w- what is it that you want me to do? Well, he's praying to me right now. He, he doing what? He, he's praying to who? He's praying to, like, like he, he's a killer. God, he's, he's pr- he, he, men like that pray to you? You listen to men like that, you, you hear them? This is kind of weird. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Oh, Lord, that's good. A man named Ananias. Going, oh, hold on. I'm Ananias. Is there like another Ananias in Damascus that's going to go talk to him? No, it's you. Um, okay, what do you want me to do? You want me to touch him? You want me to lay my hands on him and touch it? He kills people like me. As far as we know, he could have killed some of the people that Ananias knew, like some of his friends, some of his family members. You you, you want me to talk to him? You want me to touch him? And then Ananias does what every single one of us do when God tells us to do something that we don't want to do. We show him our butt. Some of us have big butts. Some of us have little butts. Some of us like big butts and you cannot lie. I mean, what? When God speaks to us, we show him our butt. Verse 13, look at this. But, Lord, don't pretend like you haven't done this. Don't pretend like when God speaks to us, you're like, yeah, uh, okay, but, hold on, God. But, 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 Lord. But Lord, I've heard many people talk. I don't know if you know this, God. I don't know if you've heard. I'm sure you got a lot going on in heaven. But let me fill you in on the stuff about Saul from Tarsus, because we got to fill God in sometimes because we don't think God knows all of the information, right? So I've heard. Many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Just in case you haven't heard, God. Just in case you don't know, this is not a good guy. Like, he should be on your naughty list. Like, he should get a lump of coal. Like, he's not good. Verse 14. And he is authorized by the leading priest... To arrest everyone who calls upon your name, which would be me, God, talking to you right now. So he's probably here to arrest me. So I don't think it's a very good idea that we hang out, because we ain't even Facebook friends, all right? Like, it's not good for me to go talk to this dude. But verse 15, but the Lord said, go. The Lord said, go. You know when God speaks, he knows exactly what he's telling us to do. God has never said something to us, and we argue back, and he said, oh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Why don't you come up here and run the universe for a little while? You obviously know how to do this better than me, but we do that, don't we? I didn't say you. I said we. We do that. We always push back. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. I love this. Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. In other words, Ananias, I know that you're a Jew and he's a Gentile. I mean, y'all different, like you're different people, but you're going to be on the same mission for me, which is to reach people for me. As well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Verse 17, so Ananias, what's that say? went. Ananias went. Ananias went. and This is huge. Ananias went. Ananias, who's a believer, who's a follower of Jesus, who doesn't know what Jesus has done in Saul's life, which by the way, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, you never know what God is doing in somebody else's life. You don't know. Stop assuming. Stop wondering. You don't know what they're doing. Ananias went. God brings two people together, completely opposite. You see this? This is like the unity factor. Two people brought together, and watch what happens. He laid hands on him. So again, God says, don't just go be near him, but lay your hands on him, which is a symbol of unity. When you laid your hands on somebody, that was, that, that was, that was like, we're united. And watch this. And said, brother, Saul calls him brother. This is huge. He, he didn't say, you know, like, here's Saul, and, he, and he's like as far away from him as he can, and he's got his finger on him, and, and he's going to be like, I'm going to pray for you because Jesus told me to. No, he calls him brother. Do you know why that's so significant? He accepts him in that moment, fully accepts him by calling him. L- listen, hey, we're different I know we're different. We're from different places. But you know what, Saul? You're my brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Let me ask you this question. Could God have done this without Ananias, yes or no? Yes but he chose to use Ananias because God uses people. God is all about connecting people with each other, bringing people together because unity matters to Jesus. So the passage ends by saying, verse 19, afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Now, every single time I read this text, I think about unity. Unity Not just for our church, but for individuals in our church. And so again, I'm going to walk you through the acrostic for unity, and I'm going to teach you exactly what unity means and why it matters in our church, and then connect it back to this text. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Some of you are wondering, how long is this going to take? About three hours. Um, And so you're fine. It's going to be all right. Why is unity important? All right, here we go. Letter U stands for an unmistakable focus on Jesus. If we're going to be united, if we're going to have unity in our church, then all of us need to have an unmistakable focus on Jesus Christ. Now, every single person in this room, there's no exception. You've lost your focus at some point in your life, yes or no? Yeah, you've lost your focus. And when you lose focus, you do something dumb. When I lose focus, I lose something That We, we all do something dumb when we lose focus. For example, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want you to have to lie in church. But have you ever, like, overcorrected while driving because you've been, hypothetically, you've been texting and lost focus? That that ever happened to anybody? Hypothetically. I I know none of us have, have ever really done that. All of us know when we lose our focus, it can mess us up, which is why, as followers of Jesus, we are called to have an unmistakable focus on Jesus. Now, here's what's cool. In this text... Did Ananias have an unmistakable focus on Jesus, yes or no? Yeah. Did Paul eventually have an unmistakable focus on Jesus, yes or no? Yes. And they were brought together by their focus on Jesus, which i say all of that to say this. You might not like this, but this is the truth. Two people who have an unmistakable focus on Jesus cannot stay divided. Two people who have an unmistakable focus on Jesus cannot stay divided. Now if one person is focused on Jesus and the other person isn't, then, then that's, that's difficult. And, and, and let me say this, maybe you and another person are, are, are focused on Jesus, but so much damage has happened that you really can't, like the relationship can't really be restored to what it once was. I get that. I'm saying That if two people are focused on Jesus, he's not going to draw us apart, he's going to draw us together. And so if you're divided with somebody and you can't get together, don't, don't tell me about their relationship with Jesus because again, you don't know. I, again, I, I said this. Ananias had no idea what God was doing in Saul's life. He could have just said, no, he's a killer. I'm staying away. I want nothing to do with him. You're not responsible to know what God is doing in somebody else's life. You're responsible for you. You're responsible to ask the question, am I focused on Jesus? Because if we are, and they are, he draws us together. Now listen, I wish I could tell you I'm preaching out of expertise here right here, right now. I wish I could tell you, man, I got this down. But I don't. I don't. There have been so many times where I've been mad at somebody and it hasn't been them. It's because I've lacked focus on Jesus. But we all need to have an unmistakable focus on Jesus. Which brings us to letter two. Number two, letter, letter N. end. <laughs> Letter N stands for never forgetting the way we are identified. Never forgetting the way we are identified. I'm talking about our identity in Christ. How Jesus identifies us. How are we identified by the creator of the universe? How do people see us when we're walking with Jesus? Because, you know, we can look at people and we can tell the way they are identified. Now, sometimes there's false identifications. Like, like for instance... You're looking at me right now, and you've been wondering all morning, did Pastor Ryan become a Hawkeye fan? Like, what happened? It, are we going to be able to, like, invite him over for a game? Like, did he convert to hawkeye Like, did he, is that a word? Hawkeye, like, like what's going on? mm False identification. False identification. See, everybody who knows me knows that this is how I identify. Right here. It's this right? You, you know, this is my identification, right? So we're not, I'm not, I, I have felt dirty all morning long, just by the way. <laughs> dirty bird. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're identified a lot of times by what people see in us, yes or no? Like, like some people, you're identified by the amount of bumper stickers you have on the back of your car, I've told you this about bumper stickers on the back of cars before. Um, For those of you who don't know, really quickly, here's my bumper sticker theology. It's this. The more bumper stickers you have, the weirder you are. It's true. And I know somebody right now is saying, well, Pastor, I have a bunch of bumper stickers on the back of my car. You're weird. You you are. I just love you enough to tell you the truth, right? You're identifying weird. Anyway, never forget the way we're identified. Like, for example. <laughs> this is gonna make you happy. You're gonna love this. If you're a Trump supporter, you can look at somebody's car and say, hey, there's a Trump supporter. Like he obviously supports Trump. I'm not sure I would have wrapped a Lambo. All right. That's that's full out commitment right there. If somebody is but you can look at that and you can see Trump supporter. If somebody's a Biden supporter, you can look at their Prius and say, hey, Biden supporter. Try that in a small town. Anyway, we are identified. This one's not making the internet. All right, so. Dang it. We are identified by something. We're all identified by something. But Jesus said, people will know that you're, that you're mine. Like, your identity in me will be seen by your love, right? He he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your theology will prove to the world, not your correct stance on a political issue, not your wokeness, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Their love for one another. Which brings me to episode one of Food and Theology. I love Oreos. Anybody else? I love an Oreo cookie. Now, an Oreo cookie is converted with Oreos' best friend, milk. An Oreo cookie and an ice-cold glass of milk can change your life, yes or no. Like, there's something about an Oreo cookie. When you just take an Oreo cookie and you immerse it, Into the milk, it's like baptism. See what I'm doing right here? You listen, baptism. I can't film my illustration. It's so good. Baptism's always by immersion. Always. Do you know that? Baptism's always. Think about this. When you have an Oreo, okay? You don't sprinkle the Oreo. You don't quick dip the Oreo. You don't pour on the Oreo. You immerse that. And when you immerse this thing, and you can feel it. You can feel it right now. There it is. Mm. Perfect. Perfect. I can take anything and tie it to the Bible. Anyway, um, that's bad. My hands are going to stink later on. (laughs) Where am I going with this? Here's the thing about Oreos. Well, wow, i got to hurry. Um, we're going to let her end, right? I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the Oreo. On an Oreo, you got two sides to an Oreo, right? you got this side, you got this side. But the thing that holds them together is the stuff in the middle, right? If you don't have the stuff in the middle, they don't, they don't stick together. They stick together because of the stuff in the middle, the cream, the filling, what, whatever it's called, right? Like, if, if you have this, and you have this, but you don't have this... They can't stick together. Everybody's agreed, right? Now, here's what's interesting about this. You don't have to take my word for this. You you can read this on your own. In the Bible, there's a chapter in 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. It's all about spiritual gifts. And and that chapter talks about how we all have a spiritual gift and how we need to use our gift in the body of Christ. It's a powerful chapter on spiritual gifts. And then you have chapter 14. And chapter 14 is all about spiritual gifts, the correct way to use certain gifts, Chapter 13 is the love chapter, right? It's all about love. You've probably heard it at weddings before. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not self-seeking. It's like all this stuff about love. It's great. And, and, and I saw this a few weeks ago, and, and it was so cool. I saw a picture like this, and, and, and somebody was talking about this, and they said you could take the most gifted people in the world, but without love, they don't stick together. They don't accomplish the purpose that God put them on the planet for. The, the purpose that God put the Oreo on the planet for, right, is to make Pastor Ryan happy. Here's the point. None of us can accomplish what God put us on this planet for alone. We need each other. So remember that the next time you eat an Oreo. Mm. I love today's sermon. Letter I. Intentional about forgiveness. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, and don't let sin, or don't sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are angry. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. That means... If you're in this room or you're watching online and you have anger or bitterness issues towards somebody else, then today you should not let the sun go down without dealing with it. That means by about 8, 8.30 tonight, you should reach out to that person and make it right. It matters that much when it comes to unity. You might say, well, Ryan, why is this really a big deal? Glad you asked. Verse 27 says this, for anger gives a foothold to who? The devil. And if the devil gets a foothold, he will climb into every single area of your life. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so if you have an anger or bitterness issue towards another person and you're not going to make it right before the sun goes down, you essentially open up the front door and say, Come on in, devil, have your way. Nobody wants that. Oh, Pastor Ryan, you're asking me to have a difficult conversation with someone. No, I'm not. If somebody is popping into your mind right now, here's what's cool. That ain't Pastor Ryan. That, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Now, there's a way to do this. I'll help you out today. Let's say you got a problem with somebody. I call this the 80-20 rule. 80% of what happened was their fault. 20% was your fault. All right, stop, because I know you're looking at this, you're going, uh-uh, 90-10. I did 10, they did 90. All right, you're so righteous, whatever. Now, listen, nothing is ever, never, not never, but most things are not ever 100% somebody else's fault. Now, there are exceptions, all right? You got raped. You got molested. You got beat. I, I, I get that, all right? But, but let's just let's focus in on, on this part for a second. Let's say for argument's sake that, that you and somebody else, like you, you both did something, all right? 20% of the problem is your problem. You caused it. 80% is their problem the way you talk about it is you go and you apologize for your 20% and you don't mention their part at all you can't say well, i am really sorry for my 20 but man you really screwed up that 80 and you need oh, no 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 you missed the point you own the 20 and the 80 is between them and jesus you own the 20 and the 80 is between them and Jesus. And listen, they might not address their 80 for a day, a week, a month, maybe ever. But, but the peace that you will receive when you do this, when you just own your part and apologize for it, is amazing. So leads to the letter T. Thankful for our differences. The, G, the reason Jesus wants us to be this way and, and have unity is because we need each other. We need one another like we really do. And what's funny is like the person, the people that we need the most, most often are the people the enemy wants us to get divided against the most. The whole body is necessary. Because 1 Corinthians twelve seven says a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that, we should, so that we can help each other. Not tear each other down, not beat each other up, but to what? Help each other. And everybody in this room needs help. Every one of us. We need help. So the enemy, see, he, he believes and he knows if he can get us divided against each other and we lose sight of the fact that without love, we're all alone, right? Without love, we're all alone. What happens to a sheep um, that's all alone out in the wilderness? What happens? It gets picked off by the wolves really easily. And I know there are people who say, I don't need anybody. I can make it on my own, says the person who gets slammed by Satan over and over and over again. We need each other. That, that's why, listen, before the sun goes down, you need to make the relationship right. And you need to get involved. Get involved in a connection group. Like, like be a part of, of something with somebody else. Like, we need each other. Which leads to the last part, the last letter of the acrostic, the letter Y. Yield immediately to God's plan. Yield immediately to God's plan so that you can move forward and we can move forward. Yield immediately to God's plan so we can move forward. Ananias or Ananias, Ananias yielded immediately to what God wanted. So we as a church and we as individuals need to yield and move into God's plan. Do you realize that if you won't get past the issue that you have with another person, that you will never move forward in your walk with Jesus? Did you know that? If you won't get past the issue you have with another person, you will never move forward in your walk with Jesus. Can you imagine? If Ananias would have ran away from the assignment God had for him, Saul, who went on to become the Apostle Paul, went from church destroyer to church planter. He planted churches all around the Mediterranean rim. We're celebrating today because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Two people who are completely different, united in Jesus Christ, and and the rest is history. What could we accomplish if we're united On the things of Jesus. On the things of Jesus. What if we put our differences aside and storm the gates of hell in order to advance the kingdom of God? Unity. Unity should be our goal. Jesus Christ wants us to be united. We need to have unity.